Good morning, guys. Today we're talking about the Sacrament of Confirmation, and I'm going to introduce you as well to the Sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. Let's start with the Sacrament of Confirmation. When you, uh, I encourage you at this time to have your Bibles ready and to have the homework assignment out that you guys did last time. And you'll see that I labeled the Sacrament of Confirmation as the most misunderstood sacrament. That's because most people think that the Sacrament of Confirmation has to do with well, let's, let's start with what the word to confirm means. To confirm means to strengthen, to strengthen something, okay, to make something firm, okay? So, uh, who is doing the strengthening here? Most people think that in the Sacrament of Confirmation, the person getting confirmed is confirming or strengthening their resolution to be a Catholic, they are reasserting their baptismal vows. And that's what the sacrament is all about. And that's nice and that's cute. But at its heart, that's not what the sacrament of confirmation is. Because after all, sacraments are efficacious. Sacraments do something. Grace happens at every, sacri- at every sacrament. So if it is you doing the confirming, then where is the action of God? So therefore, this definition of confirmation as being one's own affirming, confirming of one's faith, is inadequate. So it comes down to God is the one that's doing the confirming, more specifically, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is strengthening you. So confirmation can be best described as a special gift of the Holy Spirit, which strengthens us to become better witnesses to Christ and to better equip us to continue His work. I told you guys that we are the body of Christ. We are His arms. We are His legs. So think of it this way. If the church is the body of Christ, then the sacrament of confirmation is steroids. It's steroids, guys. Um, legal steroids. Ster- steroids. Uh, good steroids. It's good for you. It's, uh, it gives you that boost. Is being a Christian easy? No, not even close. And so therefore, we need a little help. And that little bit of help, that extra help, that special gift of the Holy Spirit, if it's received with faith, then it can be a source of strength for us in our mission. Uh, We see the same thing happening with the apostles. Now, you're not going to find the word confirmation anywhere in Scripture as such. Then again, you're not going to find the word trinity either or the word incarnation. But it doesn't mean that the reality of this isn't there. We do see the Holy Spirit doing some strengthening. Most specifically, um, we see, um, I guess you could say the, the, the root of confirmation lies in Pentecost, where you have the apostles, who are really just 12, basically 12 fishermen. These are uneducated men. Um, no offense to the apostles, but I think they would agree, um, nothing, nothing too special. And um, think about it, these, these uh, basically, uh, this handful of apostles, they transformed the world. After Christ's resurrection, they went out and they managed to convert nations, and now a third of the globe is Christian. Okay, how did these simple men manage to accomplish this? Well, they could not have done it on their own. They got a little bit of help. Did I say a little? They got a lot of help from the Holy Spirit. 
And as a matter of fact, it is at Pentecost that we see this transformation occur. Um, it is after Pentecost where they are suddenly emboldened. They have the courage to go out. They have the strength. They uh, suddenly have the ability to give very eloquent speeches, most notably Peter we see. And so the Holy Spirit strengthened them. Now, we see other examples in Scripture as well. Uh, Pentecost was in Acts chapter 2. For your homework assignment, you also looked at Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19. So let's take a look at both of those passages right now. In Acts chapter 8, you might want to pause and take a look at that. In Acts chapter 8, we see, it says, Now the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent in Peter and John. Verse 15, Who went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it had not yet fallen upon any of them. Alright, so what we have here is, Peter and John, they go down to Samaria because they hear that the people there, while they had been only baptized, this is verse 16, the second half, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Notice that the operative word here is only. They were only baptized, meaning that there was something else that was needed. They needed that steroid shot. They needed that special uh, strength of the Holy Spirit. They needed to be confirmed. And so that's what happened. And they received this by laying on of hands. So they, the apostles laid hands on the people and the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And this is not the only example here. We have also Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, we see that um, Paul traveled down to Ephesus, verse 1. He travels down to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. And in verse 2 it says, He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? And they answered them, We never even heard there is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so these guys are really lacking, aren't they? And he asked them how they were baptized, and they said with the baptism of John. Paul then said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and that's the operative word here, and, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So the word confirmation is not explicitly here, but it's very clear what's going on. Um, they were baptized, and then he laid his hands on them, and that is the sacrament of confirmation, and the Holy Spirit descended upon them. Okay. Now, so that's what confirmation is for us as well. Um... Now, let's take a look at the matter and the form of confirmation. In Scripture, we see that the matter is merely laying on of hands. But the church also added on another layer to that. There is another component to the matter of confirmation, and that is holy chrism. Holy chrism. So, 
If I were to ask you, what is the matter of the sacrament of confirmation? Don't say laying on of hands. Don't say holy chrism. Say laying on of hands and holy chrism, because it's both. Um, what is the significance of this oil? Because that's what holy chrism is. It is olive oil mixed with an aromatic extract known as balsam, B-A-L-S-A-M. You guys ever heard of balsamic vinegar? All right, some people put that on their salad. It smells good. So it is a fragrant, by adding the balsam, the olive oil becomes very fragrant. Um, it's a way to, uh, in the sacrament, to remind us that the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life um, is, a, is a sweet thing. Okay, it is a sweet and pleasant thing. Um, if God is anything, He smells good. Okay, that's the idea here. Um, so that's, that's why it's kind of perfumed. And even so, oil, olive oil um, is not in, or chrism is not in Scripture connected to this descent of the Holy Spirit, but the church added it for a reason. And that is because in the Old Testament, we see that when a person receives um, cases in Scripture, in the Old Testament, when people receive oil, when they get oil rubbed on their heads, it signifies a change in their life, that they're taking on a new identity. So, for example, you have David. When he becomes chosen as king, they rub oil on him, okay, and suddenly he becomes the king, right? So oil has a significance of taking on a new identity in the community. And so when we, when we become confirmed, we're also taking on a new identity. Um, now we are um, Christians who, now emboldened by the Spirit, strengthened by the Spirit, we're supposed to go out there and be strong witnesses to Christ in this world. Like I said before, it's not easy to be a Christian. So, I mean, some there are some Catholics that say, oh, I never got confirmed, you know. Well, why wouldn't you? It's not technically necessary for salvation, but why would you not take all the help that you can get? Um, let me see. Okay, then you have the minister of confirmation. Oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Let me go back to the form. So we know the matter is twofold. Then you have the form of confirmation, and the form is simply this. Be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. These are the words that ordinarily the bishop in the Western Church would say, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you can see even in the form, it mentions the Holy Spirit. It's the action of God that works in the person. The minister of confirmation depends on where we're talking about. If we're talking about the Western Church, the Latin Church, it is the ordinary minister is the bishop. And why is this so? This is because when you look at Scripture, confirmation is always done by the apostles. All right? So you always have the apostles that are doing the confirming. It is the Apostle Peter. It is the Apostle John. It is the Apostle Paul. And who are the successors to the apostles? The bishops are. So the bishops in the Western Church, um, and kind of keeping to this notion that is connected to the, uh, the, this apostolic work, 
They are the ones that do the confirming in the church. Um, now, extraordinarily, if the bishop can't get around to everybody, um, therefore he may delegate it to a priest. All right? Um, and probably, usually, the vicar general. Didn't I say that the vicar general is the right-hand man of the bishop? So ordinarily, if he's going to give it to a priest to do, to go around and confirm, um, he's going to give it to his, um, his vicar, his vicar general, ordinarily. Now, in the Eastern Church, so if you're a weirdo like me, and you belong to the, the Byzantine Church, uh, or some of the other um, Eastern Churches, um, it is the priest who is the ordinary minister of confirmation. However, I like to add that even in the Eastern Churches, that holy chrism, guess who is blessed by? That's right, the bishop. So even in the Eastern Churches, we have this connection always to the bishop. All right? And so confirmation uh, deepens our, our level of initiation into the church. Okay. And my cord just got stuck. Sorry. I got distracted. Okay. Let's see. Um, I'd like to say just one final thing about the Sacrament of Confirmation. Uh, there are some teenagers that uh, don't want to get confirmed. And once again, I'd like to say, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to get that extra help that you can get? You get the legal steroids, guys which is good for you, not bad for you. So therefore, take it and do it and, and pray about it because confirmation is your own, it can be described as your own personal Pentecost. That also is not a bad definition of confirmation. It's your own personal Pentecost. Um, now, if you completely don't believe at all, I mean, if you just dead set against it, 100% against confirmation, and you don't even believe in God, please, just don't, don't receive the sacrament. Don't make a mockery out of it. Only receive the sacrament if you want to receive God's help. And, and why wouldn't you? You know, recently, I told a woman that I was praying for her, and she said, thank you, I could use all the help that I can get. Um, I don't even think that she's particularly a very strong Catholic. I don't know how deep her faith is, but she said, hey, I'll take all the help that I can get, so why not? So do that. And do it prayerfully. And before receiving confirmation, go to confession. Before receiving confirmation, spend a lot of time in prayer. Think about the fact that the Holy Spirit, that special strengthening gift of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You might even consider fasting. You know, really take this sacrament seriously. You know, as the bishop is uh, anointing you, and laying hands upon you. Don't think to yourself, oh, I wonder what, what kind of gift grandma got me for my confirmation. No, 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 no. You can worry about that later. But in that moment, make it a holy moment for yourself. Okay, now, I'd like to do just a little um, introduction to the Eucharist. This is just my way of introduction. After this, you guys will have a homework assignment on it, so look for it on Canvas. Let's start with this, what this word Eucharist means. Eucharist is a, uh, it comes from the Greek language, of course. Eucharistia. I'm not going to spell it for you, but I can tell you that Eucharistia, Eucharist, Eucharistia in Greek means Thanksgiving. 
It means Thanksgiving. So, whereas Americans celebrate Thanksgiving once a year with a turkey, Catholics celebrate Thanksgiving typically once a week, only not with a turkey, but with a lamb. Get it? Lamb with a capital L, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. At, thanks, at American Thanksgiving, they consume a turkey while we consume a lamb. As a matter of fact, if you were to go to Greece, and if you, if you, I'm going to teach you guys a, a Greek word right now. Even in modern Greek, if you guys were to go to Greece and somebody did you a favor, you know, you know how you say thank you? You say, Eucharisto. That's how they say it. Okay? So in, in, in Greece, if you want to say thank you, you say Eucharist. Eucharisto. So it's kind of interesting. So what does Eucharist refer to? In the Catholic Church, Eucharist refers to, in particular, two different things. Um, ordinarily, when I say Eucharist, people think about the consecrated bread and wine that become the body and blood of Christ. Okay, you think about the host, you think about the chalice. Okay, this is known as the real presence. The real presence. So Eucharist can refer either to the real presence, namely that the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Christ, or also, rather, confirm, uh, sorry, Eucharist can also refer to the entirety of the celebration of Mass itself. So all of Mass, not only you know, receiving the host, but all the entirety of the celebration of Mass is, in fact, Thanksgiving. And therefore, it is all Eucharist, okay? The readings, the petitions, all the praise that we do, the entire service, the whole of Mass is also Eucharist. So Eucharist is not only concentrating on the consecrated bread and wine. Okay, and so therefore, uh, for your homework assignment, I want to get started on this first aspect of Mass, namely the Eucharist, being the real presence. And so therefore, your homework assignment will be to take a look at some, some of the passages in Scripture where the real presence is being taught. And that is all for now. I hope you guys, uh, if you did your homework assignment well, then... This will not have been uh, difficult for you because you probably already knew a lot of what I was saying. But there you have it. Now I hope your understanding of the confirmation is a little bit deeper. And even in the short couple of minutes, you learned a thing or two about the Eucharist. All right, guys. Bye-bye.